Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to View from the Mount, where we talk about real life issues through a biblical lens. I'm Matt, and I'm here with Jason, as always. Uh, This is episode four of our podcast here, and today we're going to be talking about sexual integrity and how we as Christians ought to deal with sexual temptation and those sorts of issues. Absolutely. One of the things, just kind of from the outset, if you're a parent and your kids might be listening, or if you're a kid, uh, we do want you to know that this is sensitive material. It's not crude. It's not vulgar. It's biblical, but but there is sensitive issues. So we just want everyone to know that from the start. Yeah, it's probably a good idea um, as Christian parents to kind of have some of these discussions with your kids, but it's probably best for you to listen first and then kind of address this however you see fit in your own family. And so I guess maybe we start out by talking about, you know, this is a big issue that many people deal with, especially in the church. And, you know, what are some of the implications of that, do you think? Well, I I think you're just right that we don't want to put our head in the sand and pretend this is not a real issue. It's sensitive. We don't love talking about it. We'd prefer just to pretend it doesn't. But this is something that no matter who it is that's listening, you can relate. Uh, You can relate because either you have a personal struggle right now, maybe you have in the past, or you know somebody that is. So maybe there's somebody that's listening that's like not seeing the application and This is a real issue that many, many people in the church deal with. So it's not just a non-Christian out there issue. It's an in here issue as well. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I know I've heard some of these groups that kind of seek to deal with this in the church. Every man's battle is is one. And I think that this is very often an issue that men struggle more with. But I think more and more in today's world, we're hearing that women struggle with this as well. I don't know if that's becoming more of a problem or if it's just now becoming something that's getting more attention. But you've got kind of this tension in the church, especially where some people kind of pretend like this is not a big deal. They've developed this sort of worldly attitude of, you know, sex is just part of life. It's part of being a grown up. This is how we were built. This is a part of how we interact with people. Um, And then, you know, maybe the other half of people, they know it's a big deal. And so they hide these kind of temptations. They're having a real struggle and they're so ashamed of, of it that they hide it and they pretend like it's not a problem and then it eats them up and they wind up acting on those impulses. I think that's true, not just like collectively in how we view the church, but also with how individuals look at their own lives. So some people might look at their life and be like, either what I'm doing, whether it's looking at pornography or some other crossing lines, uh, well, it's not that big of a deal. Some people will pretend like doesn't exist. They really might think that this issue does not exist. I think that's incredibly naive. And I don't know the numbers. I'm not a big fan of statistics because mm-hmm. you can usually find a statistic to say whatever you want it to say. Sure. But I imagine that if you were just to look up statistics, Christians, pornography, mm-hmm. something like that, that it would be astronomical. I'm guessing that it would be a surprise to most people if we found those, not just pornography, but how many people are having affairs or Mm -hmm. uh, other things like that. I'm guessing that the numbers are far more than we could even just say is a little issue. It's a big issue, widespread issue. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as we kind of already said, we're going to just come at this from the angle that we admit this is this is a problem. We know that the Bible says that sexual integrity is important. Mm-hmm. Sexual immorality is spoken about over and over again in the scriptures. And so right. we're just coming from a position that we know this is wrong. This is a problem. We're not trying to establish that. We're not trying to define that either, Matt. We're right. not, not going to try to define what sexual purity is. We're coming with 
with this from the angle that you're concerned about purity of mind, purity of heart, and that any illicit sex, sex outside of marriage, is wrong, is sinful. So we're not trying to defend that position using scripture. That That's an argument, a talk for another day. We're not trying to set the lines or where those boundary lines are. We're, we're kind of assuming people would be in line with us with where those boundary lines are. Sure. And having assumed that that's something that we need to deal with, we're going to kind of look today about why are people in the church struggling so much with, with lust right. and sexual temptation, kind of explore what we're seeing and why that might be the case, and then what impact that has in our lives. And then finally, what should we do as Christians when we're struggling with this? Right. And so Three, three questions we're going to pose mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to answer. This is just something we don't, we don't have the end all of all these answers. This is just kind of the dialogue that we've had that kind of works for us coming mm-hmm. to some organized conversation. And so we don't have all the answers. We're just exploring them. Uh, so we'd love to hear feedback on that. And, and as we get into this conversation, we do realize that the Christian idea of purity is not the norm today. No, it is not at all. In fact, the Christian idea of purity by most would be defined as something prudish or overly conservative. Um, sex has been kind of brought out into the open. You watch any sitcom or movie or even commercial anymore, they talk about it in a very open manner. It's just one sure. of the facts of life. Let's all be adults about this and move on. Um, so if we talked about things, like say we said, hey, We urge a monogamous relationship, Mm -hmm. that you abstain from sex until you're married, that pornography is dangerous and sinful and wrong, that lusting... Somebody's going to look at us and be like, that's ridiculous. So if you're a Christian today, we're assuming that you're in agreement with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, If not, if if you're having doubts about where the lines are, you need to have a conversation, a different kind of conversation. But, But Matt, the first question kind of posed to direct our conversation is this. Have things changed? Is this more prevalent today than it ever has been? I mean, my first knee-jerk reaction was to, to just to go back to all these cultures over time to, you know, the Old Testament cultures, you know, what, what they encountered in Canaan, what we see in Egypt, uh, what you might have seen in, you know, the Mayan culture or the Greek culture. Sex and sexual uh, promiscuity has been a huge part of many, many cultures for a long time. Um, it's what led Israel into idolatry over and over again, were these sexual rights that these pagan yeah. cultures would, would practice. I think that's interesting that you bring up Israel, because I think that shows us this, that the Bible doesn't gloss over this mm-hmm. fact, that sexual sin has been from very early on an issue that God's people have dealt with. Yeah. So this is not just, sure, we can look at Greek and Roman cultures, we can look at Babylonian culture and and it might honestly cause us to blush some of the things they do like you read about idol temples and or Roman worlds with their brothels and bathhouses with yeah. pedophilia even being accepted so you know there's nothing new under the sun mm-hmm. that's part of it but we also want to acknowledge that that God's people throughout time has struggled as well whether it's stories like Lot and his daughters mm-hmm. and constantly sexual immorality with God's people people who love the Lord sure. are struggling so today like if someone one's listening, the implication's not that a struggle means that you don't love the Lord. Because people that love God make bad choices sometimes. They do. And I think this is a particularly important topic to discuss because it is such a powerful motivator. I think lust is probably 
you know, the most powerful force there is, I've heard it said, other than God to motivate our behavior in this world. And Ephesians 5 talks about it and it equates it to idolatry. I mean, if there's if there's something that has the ability to dethrone God in our lives and take that first place, it is, it is our sexual impulses. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, we kind of talked about over the course of human history, this has always been a problem. I think there have been cultures where sex was just a central part of even their worship. You know, these pagan temples would make it almost a sacrament to sleep with these temple prostitutes. But I guess what we're really asking is, have have things changed in America? Well, human we're hearts haven't things. changed. They have not. Uh, I, I think that human beings have always struggled. And I know that we might want to look back and be like, that's not the way it was back in the 40s, back in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I'm kind of this history nerd, and that's not completely true. I mean, you read of times in history where people have always been hypersexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's always been an issue. But I think we can see where, where the issue is with us is even in our lifetime, Matt, we I'm 38. It certainly seems that what's accessible, that what's tolerated has changed quickly in our culture, in our lifetime. It has, for sure. And yeah, people look back to those other eras, you know, the 40s and 50s. And I'm sure people were getting up to no good, you know, sexually just as much as they might be now. But there was, it was a hidden thing. It wasn't right out in the open. You weren't seeing commercials for the Trojan man or whatever, where people are sitting in bed talking about sure. very suggestive things. And, and, you Su- and suggestives being nice. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, it's becoming more and more prevalent in our culture. And maybe that's where it's, where it's shifted even. Like if, you, if we use television and sitcoms as the gauge mm-hmm. and you go back and like they wouldn't even show a married couple in a bedroom right you know to where now it's not just not only unmarried couples it's yeah. it's there's homosexuality that's emphasized publicly on television without the blinking of an eye and commercials do this and yeah. we're uh, seeing the next step in that even with with a lot of these streaming services netflix amazon prime you know they're starting to develop their own content and and apparently they're not subject to the rating restrictions that a television program mm-hmm. is because a lot of their new original content content it, it has you know sex in it like an hbo show would it's like watching game of thrones or something right. where it's just i mean you can see everything I, I i think with that you know so what what we're implying is this that what we watch has an impact it matters sure. and and they drive us they affect us more than we'd want to admit so as a christian we have to have these standards these questions of what will i watch we're just tr- we're not trying to give a guide for what's acceptable to watch we're just making an observation yeah. about culture in general now i don't know if television is a reflection mm-hmm. or if it is driving maybe both probably both and i think especially guys are visual our imaginations play a huge part in this kind of temptation and the fact that it is so accessible at all times i mean the internet it's just, you know, there's unlimited free mm-hmm. pornography and, and nobody can trace what you're looking at. You know, back in the day, if you ordered a bad movie, you know, your parents were going to find out when they got the cable bill or whatever, you know, that you paid for this thing. Now Absolutely. you can look it up on your smartphone, in the car, you know, we're just wherever you happen to be on the fly. That temptation is always there. A- absolutely. The and and so let's camp there for a minute with the chain. One of the changes taking place in our lifetime has been the advent of the Internet and the accessibility of that. So if there was somebody inclined to look at pornography, they would have to go down to a gas station uh-huh. or somewhere. Some maybe not even just any gas station. Yeah. And they'd have to go find a magazine and then they'd bring it home. And, and maybe no one thought about it or did think about it. But 
it was not as accessible now. Not only you mentioned the phone in our pocket, mm -hmm. the, the computer on our desk, yeah. it's designed. They have designs to make this secret, sure. you know, whether that's private secret browsers mm -hmm. where you can not have things stored or traced. It's, it's designed that way to be private. So now we carry within our own pockets uh, something that's very dangerous. Yeah. And I think we talked a little bit about that's out there for adults, but it's certainly out there to be stumbled upon by children. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I mean, I know a lot of guys who can tell you a story about the time when they were 14 and they stumbled on their dad's magazines, you know, in the house. But now you've got kids that are six, seven years old. They've got a smartphone in their hand and there's right. nothing, there's nothing and Google. stopping them from stumbling on this stuff by accident even. Sure. We had to learn, you know, the way we would learn things. Well, of course we had like health class, yeah. right? I, I learned so much on the school bus right. from my peers. Now you can just Google it. You hear something you don't know, you don't understand some innuendo, mm -hmm. you Google it. And, and even for you and me, you, we can be having an honest, innocent Google search sure. and stumble across uh, something, if it's not pornographic, it's it's very close. So it's all over the place. It's common. It's easy to find. Yeah. And so even with our kids, I, I know there's uh, YouTube videos that you can be watching uh, some kid's cartoon on YouTube and somebody's made some dirty parody of Dora the Explorer or yeah. something. And, uh, and so we're trying to shelter and protect but kids are not as naive or they're learning earlier and earlier. Yeah, they sir are. And, and, and schools are teaching sex education earlier and earlier. Oh, sure. And I, and I do remember, you know, my high school health class and it was, it was boys and girls together. They got started getting us comfortable right away with let's talk about this and mixed company. I know my, in my parents' day, they would separate them into, mm -hmm. into girls and boys classes, but they didn't us. And abstinence was mentioned in passing. Like, you know, well, some people practice abstinence, but, but the main focus was on here's how to do this safely. And we were even encouraged to kind of explore that part of our psyche or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. it was very, very permissive atmosphere. Well, one of the things that's crazy, you know, I'll be watching a basketball game or something I like to watch with my boys, mm -hmm. a game or something. And it's a shame that I'm watching a basketball game or something. And then there's something that comes on that I don't know if they understand that innuendo, some of it's not even innuendo, yeah. in the commercial. So, you know, we're watching a, a game and mm -hmm. all of a sudden some commercial comes on selling some product. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't want to have this conversation right here, right now with them. I don't want this shoved down my throat or their throat. But and even that's a very Christian attitude. I mean, how many dads have I known growing up that they almost saw that as a bonding thing with their son? Oh, did you see that girl? Look at that one walking yeah. by. Did you see what she was? Well, I mean, but it's not just a pretty girl. The commercials have always sold sex. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that, you know, like if you look at beer commercials and other things, yeah. they're not selling beer, they're selling sex. Right. And it works. Mm -hmm. uh, it plays on something, you know, like the idea, hey, if you if you buy this product, you're going to have this wild party on the beach with uh, scantily clad ladies and attractive women. And uh, that's not real world. Right. You know, but it sells in that way. So commercials, television, sitcoms, it's all over and very close to what would have been classified as pornographic at one time. Yeah. And and the line just keeps getting pushed further. And I know you mentioned a little bit ago about television. Does that cause or does it reflect? I think it is some of both, but it I think it does reveal our country as a whole has a serious heart problem. You know, yeah. there's all this this bickering over whether we are or aren't a Christian nation or ever were. I think it's very safe to assume that we are now a post-Christian nation if if we ever were anything else. We are, um, but, but but as Christians, we have to make these decisions that are hard, that are different, 
means we might our children might be more naive, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, uh, that that we might have filters and restrictions, that we might have convictions about what we're going to watch and not watch. Sure, based on the fact that I don't want to pollute my mind. So usually on the major networks, a sitcom. It certainly might not be what someone would say that's that's pornography, but it's it's getting closer and closer to that line. Yeah, and even even we talked about the innuendos. You know, I went back and watched a couple episodes of Friends a few months back, and I remember watching that as a teenager and thinking it was funny. And I didn't think anything of it at the time, but I turned it on a couple months back, and like I was uncomfortable that my daughter was sitting next to me. Yeah, like the stuff they were talking about, I was like, I do not remember this being so sexual, and it's all about that. Yeah, I, I mean, took I took my daughter to a drive-in we went to go see uh greece mm-hmm. and oh my. and i just don't remember i did not remember that that's what it was all about it really was uh, and yeah. and it wasn't and this is older so maybe it's kind of throwing a wrench in the idea that things have changed but the idea it was just in the 70s it was there i, I guess what i'm what we're getting at is this idea of things have gotten worse in our culture mm-hmm. they've changed in america because of the accessibility but as christians we we have to set lines and boundaries that are that are difficult. Yeah. And if we're going to do that, part of that is going to be understanding the danger. I mean, you know, we, we mentioned right. Israel. They they saw things from God that we've never seen with our own eyes. They had incredible evidence right in front of them that God was there, that he was leading them. And still the one thing more than anything else that had the capability of leading them astray was this sexual temptation. And yeah. so as the church in, in this kind of environment, we need to realize we're in that same danger. If something can lead us away from God, this certainly has the power to do that. So if that kind of leads to the second question, mm-hmm. what's the big deal? What's the problem? If you have somebody that you're counseling with and they say, hey, I'm having, I have a struggle with pornography, with lust, and you're trying to give them the answers to why is this dangerous? Not only from the biblical standpoint, why is it sin? I, I mean, what happens to a person? Why should someone be concerned? Why should someone seek help as they're dealing with that? Well, first and foremost, I mean, there's this very obvious scriptural idea. You know, Jesus told us that it's not what we eat that can pollute us. It's what we put into our hearts and our minds. What we fill ourselves with that way is what yeah. poisons us inside. And and we know, you know, just the same as if I watch enough pizza commercials and dwell on that, eventually I'm going to order a pizza. So thought leads to action Correct. eventually. And, and if we steep ourselves in this imagery and these fantasies and these thoughts, we are eventually going to act those out somehow I, or other. And I, and I believe that this kind of explains how spiritual growth happens. Mm. It's the law of association. We become like that which we look at lovingly and longingly over time. Mm-hmm. And when, when our heart focuses on something impure, it is going to affect our character. I, maybe you've heard the old quote, you know, you sow a thought, you reap an action. Yeah. You sow an action, you reap a character. You sow a character and you reap a destiny. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. I think you're right about that. So what are some of the ways do we think that, that that's going to lead to action? You know, we've got mm-hmm. single people who are going to have premarital sex. Um, mm-hmm. You've got obviously action that you just perpetrate on your own with yourself. And then you've got married people who are indulging in these fantasies. And then we've got affairs that spring up. From Absolutely. And I, and I think that most affairs do not occur without some other sexual problem in the loop. Yeah. It's the nature of how any addiction, anything works is eventually what somebody's doing doesn't do the job anymore. Yeah. So if someone starts out with a drug, you know, they might use something casually or recreationally, but eventually it doesn't give you the same thrill or the same high. So you have to move on to something bigger, stronger, more powerful. Yeah. And so when somebody's looking at 
pornography, for example, there's always got to be a progression because it's how it has to work. It yeah. becomes more lewd. Mm -hmm. uh, it becomes more over the line. And then eventually, once that happens, it leads to action, not to mention just the concern about affairs uh, for married people or mm -hmm. uh, fornication with an un unmarried person. But man, I think there's real danger that comes with crime, with whether it be we could talk about rape or I, I don't think you can have this conversation without concern about human trafficking. Sure. I mean, the sexual drive of, of people who have the power and money to satisfy whatever whims they want there's certainly a market for that kind of thing. And Pornography also, is a what, multiple billions of dollar sure. industry, if not more. So there's a market. Yeah. And I'll tell you something. I I had a struggle with this kind of th thing in my youth. You know, when I was a young guy and, and early in my Christian walk, it was it was very difficult to overcome that. And And one of the things that helped me with that was watching these stories of women who've come out of this industry mm -hmm. and the abuse and the brutality that's there. It's ugly. And it, it's, yeah. it's horrifying what, what these people are subjected Just to. Just the idea of objectifying a person, yeah. you know, having a daughter. Yeah. And having, having a daughter absolutely changes things because I feel like that's all, that's all I would be able to think well, about. Is, well, the, the, the very simplistic answer to this one answer is if we're not watching it, if there wasn't a market, yeah. it's the supply and demand. If we stop giving the demand, there stops being a supply. And that's not happening. Same thing with television. If we make a, if we stop watching things and the ratings go down, well, they're going to get the hint that the market doesn't want that. That's true. But are people capable of that? You know, you've had this big no, controversy no. over, you know, Pornhub within the last year where it's it's been shown that some of these people posting on here these are human trafficking victims these are girls who've disappeared from towns across the country or the world and they know that and yet the call to shut them down was met largely with indifference or or being shouted down you know? absolutely and, and, and those things should tick us off yeah they should right like that that should that like I hear that makes my blood want to boil. It mm -hmm. makes me want to go like Liam Neeson and Taken uh, when I think about that. But in my mind, like that's a repellent yeah. uh, for me. And if we have a concern about that, lots of people are concerned about human trafficking. Mm -hmm. I, I think that we, we should have the conversation. Maybe the best thing we can do as men is just not watch. You know, if for no other reason, it's not the only reason our, our personal moral purity is a, is a reason enough. Sure. But if for no other reason, it's this disgusts me, human trafficking disgusts me, yeah. and I'm not going to support it. But you have people justifying it. And when I hear someone try to justify something that very clearly has a direct mm -hmm. connection to something like human trafficking, I hear an addict defending their addiction. And, you know, you mentioned that in passing a few minutes ago, and that's not just some metaphorical overblown comparison it's a legit addiction that people do yes. you know they've they've shown medical studies we know what happens to someone's brain when they become addicted sex does the same thing pornography does the same thing it which is god's design addiction. for good we've polluted it and made bad i don't know if you've seen uh, and i don't even know where the research material might be you could mm -hmm. search for this but like the way that the brain works they've actually lit up people's brains and and monitored the the physiological reaction to yeah. somebody either looking at pornography or something and it is equivalent if not more than a, a shot of heroin it right. is a drug it is and just like any drug you know we mentioned you have to keep going further 
Yeah. You know, a drug addict has to take a stronger dose, a stronger drug to get that same experience. A sex addict has to push the boundaries further and further. Mm -hmm. And so eventually they will act. And even, even if we're not going outside of our marriages, like what are you taking into your marriage bed? Yeah. You're polluting your, you know, this is the person you love more than anything. You've committed your life and you're taking poison into that relationship. Yeah. I, I think you're setting yourself up for a struggle, not just in your not just in the department of sex, yeah. but in, in your whole relationship, because you are going to have one. If, if you've come into a marriage with a pornography problem, not that it can't be redeemed or forgiven, mm -hmm. but you are going to have unreal expectations. Sure. You're going to have this fantasy idea and then you get to real life and it's good. It's going to be a, a, a disappointment. Yeah. You're talking about something that I think God designed to be sort of the pinnacle of physical experience. And suddenly it's a disappointment to you because you've built up your expectation to these fantastical, unrealistic levels. Sure. Or, or you or your spouse doesn't look like what you've seen. Right. And, 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 and that's a, that's a, dis you know, then, then what do you do? Then you go look for it somewhere else. Yeah. And I've heard, you know, stories and testimonies from wives who've their husbands up in, in a pornography addiction and then don't think they're not making that comparison. You know, they're seeing the women in these videos or, or magazines or whatever and they're saying, well, that's what you want. I'm not enough for you. Absolutely. You know, how does that make someone feel that you're going elsewhere and looking for that and, and you have them at home? Of course, they're going to feel unwanted. You know, so I don't know if everybody would draw the rigid line that I'm willing to draw, but that is that is spiritual adultery. You are violating the covenant that you made with your spouse. And and so like, I think it's fair to say like at this point, if, if there's a persistent struggle, you need to figure out how you're going to rectify that and write that with your spouse. Yeah. Well, that's confession or whether that's repentance, that's a part of this equation. Yeah, because if we if we just let this run unchecked, there's no real hard limits to how how far that can go. I mean, you've got, it's become fashionable to have open marriages and, you know, to have yeah. like adult sleepovers. I read an article, an actual article in a major magazine about, you know, giving people advice on how to talk to your kids about how mommy and daddy are going to occasionally have adult friends sleep over. Like, that's pretty messed up yeah. in a culture that we're having that conversation. And so we've got to check this before it gets out of hand in our marriages and our relationships. And so I guess that kind of leads us to our last question is, as Christians, we understand this is a problem. We don't want to let this run unchecked in our lives and destroy our witness and destroy our marriages. So what do we do when we're having right. this struggle? I, I, I think one thing... Matt, is that if you're a man struggling or a woman struggling, obviously, I don't know what it's like to be a woman usually. Usually. Um, my understanding is that this is not just a male issue. Yeah. This is a man and a woman issue that you're not alone, right? So if, if you're struggling, you're not the only one sitting in church on Sunday with this struggle. In fact, like if we could just see into the hearts of people like God could, we'd be surprised. There would be some major surprises in the church as mm -hmm. to where these struggles reside. So we don't want to beat anybody up. We don't want you to feel that you're alone. And we don't want you to think you've committed the unpardonable sin. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think sometimes, you know, in our churches, nobody is talking about this. And so it almost seems like somebody needs to be first. Somebody yeah. has to have the courage to say, like, I'm having a hard time with this. Well, you know, it's crazy. Like, if say I preach on gossip mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of make it funny. It's kind of funny. I can joke, ha, 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 you're a gossip. And, and a husband might elbow his wife or they talk about something else and, and, and they elbow their husband. But, man, you talk about sexual integrity or purity and 
boom, everyone's straight ahead. There's no elbowing going on. No. Uh, no. You know, it's not it, It's not funny. It's not funny. It isn't. Uh, and so there is the side that, hey, if you're struggling, you're not alone. But there's the other side of it that it's not okay. No, absolutely not. We don't want to be cavalier about this and just talk about it like it's, you know, oh, it's just a fact of life. Well, I we was... want to cut it off before it leads to action. Sure. And, and so one of the things is last week, last podcast, we talked about confession. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think that connects to this? Well, I mean, we know that that there's healing to be found in confession. James 5 tells us that. And there's also an accountability aspect that Mm -hmm. comes into confessing to someone. And I think, you know, early is better. It's a lot easier to confess to someone, hey, I'm having some impure thoughts than to try to confess to somebody I've had an affair. And, and, and I don't think just that. I think, you know, we haven't really covered this. We kind of focused on pornography and lust. Right. I think there's an inherent danger with something like Facebook. Yeah. You know, crossing lines, flirting, mm-hmm. sending a message to some old high school flame or coworker where you've got this yeah. emotional affair brewing and you're, uh, that needs to be dealt with before it leads to action. And I, I've in ministry, I've I've dealt with many people who have either confessed, been caught or exposed on the other side of an affair. Yeah. And and there's so much pain. I've never seen a sin Mm -hmm. where there's so much pain and hurt. What if somebody could have before that ever got there said, man, I'm crossing some lines. Will you pray for me? Help me. Hold me accountable. Yeah. And we've all heard stories like that about people who've just destroyed their families in these affairs. And I think one of the biggest lies that we convince ourselves of or that Satan convinces us of is I could never do that. Right. And it it gives us this security. And and the Bible doesn't tell us stand firm in the face of sexual temptation. It says flee from it. Flee from it. Don't put yourself in that position. Don't have that flirtatious conversation on Facebook. Don't text some girl on your phone that's not your wife. Don't find yourself in these situations where you're alone with someone. That you shouldn't be alone with. It never has a good end. No. And and, and we, we can convince ourselves that the grass might be greener on the other side, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we can buy into that lie very easily that, that there might be something appealing about that, something yeah. cavalier about it. So we call it an affair, not an adultery. It's kind of an adventure that we can have. And I promise that it's always a disaster. Yeah. And the Bible says, so you, you know, someone thinks they're being secretive. I promise the Bible tells us, be sure of this, your sin will find you out. It always gets caught. Always, always. Always comes out. Uh, because relationships have to progress. Even adulterous relationships have mm-hmm. to progress. I, I was reading the other day in the Proverbs about the some of the warnings in Proverbs about adultery. Yeah. Really profound. And the idea was that, hey, the adulteress loves the idea of capturing somebody like a, a like they're a trophy. Yeah. And we don't put trophies under a counter. We display them. We display them. And somebody would love to have you as you, even Matt, uh, hard to believe, as a trophy. You know, what's the explanation you hear people give for this? You know, when they're, when they're finally found out, most often they say something like, well, it just happened. Right. It didn't. It just did happen. not just happen. It couldn't have just happened if you weren't in a situation. It began. For it to it began with a flirt. It uh-huh. Probably began before that with maybe even a problem with pornography. So what we're saying is, let's deal with this yeah. before it gets further. If you're struggling, find somebody to confess to, but not just to tell what you're doing, but to understand that it's a big deal that's going to go further if you don't deal with it, cut it off. You know, the other thing. It's kind of simple. It's you, you mentioned. The scripture talks about flee from sexual immorality. That might be extreme, though. In what way? Um, I, You know, Jesus talks about, you know, if your right hand caused you to sin, cut it off. You know, there might be 
we might need to do something that's extreme to the world. So if you got a problem with pornography and you're constantly looking on your phone at pornography, get rid of your cell phone. Right. And you're, someone's going to be thinking, well, I, I can't live without a cell phone. Really? That's not true. It's not true. It might be difficult, but you can. I promise you can. So mm -hmm. uh, if you are on the internet and doing certain, cut the internet cable. You don't need internet. If you need to do that, that's what you got to do. And I mean, cut if cable. that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Um, Log out of HBO. He never instructs us in the scripture to get sin out of your life unless it seems kind of inconvenient or unless you really want to yeah. do what's leading you into sin. You get rid of it. And just like you said, you know, pluck out your eye if it causes you to sin. That might be an extreme example. But if legit your eye were what's going to, you know, send you to hell, it would be worth doing even that if that's what saves our souls. You know, right. There is nothing that is not worth getting rid of if that's what it takes for us to be pure in our lives. And I don't know if you'd heard uh, in, the, in the news, there were stories maybe a year ago about a conviction that Mike Pence, our vice president, had where he wouldn't eat somewhere, wouldn't meet some, a, a woman mm -hmm. by himself. Yeah. And that was just to guard his integrity, not necessarily because he couldn't handle it, but he was just guarding his integrity and his reputation. He got made fun of ridiculously for that. He did. And and we're seeing young guys facing that very thing. They're told not to objectify women, not to sexualize women. But at the same time, if a, if a young guy tries to be chivalrous and hold up those values, then he's mocked and made right. fun of. I mean, so we, need to no... set, we do need to set boundaries. If you're in ministry, it might be, mm. hey, you don't counsel right. or somebody of the opposite sex. Yeah. You just don't do that. And someone's going to be, well, I can handle it. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't. You're a human being. And, and it's, it's absolutely foolish. So if nothing else, the sin becomes not just uh, the temptation, but becomes yeah. the foolishness. And that's part of that fence we should put around ourselves. All, all of us should. I mean, don't even put yourself in a situation where something might conceivably develop. You don't even want people saying that about right. you. You know, I can remember my great uncles would show up at my grandparents' house. And if my grandfather wasn't home, they wouldn't come inside. They might chat on the porch with a minute for my grandmother, but right. they wouldn't go in the house if he wasn't there. That seems outdated. That seems old fashioned and silly to a lot of people. But we need to watch ourselves in this area because you, you don't know how quickly you can slip and how far you can fall. Yeah. If you allow yourself that latitude. Right. Ephesians 6 tells us to beware the devil and his schemes. Mm -hmm. and, and I think if we were to look at Satan's trophy case, there would be a lot of people in his trophy case that were caught with the bait mm -hmm. of sexual integrity, pornography, lust, adultery, a lot of victims there that were caught that way time and time again. Yeah. And so I think I think confession is a part of it. And, you know, there are some guidelines probably to follow. And you can go back and listen to our discussion about that in a, in a previous episode. We won't rehash that here. I think accountability is huge. And you got to find somebody that you trust to hold you accountable. Um, and, you know, for a husband, maybe that's your wife. I know that's a painful conversation to yeah. have, but I, I guarantee you it's going to go better if you come to her and, and talk about this and ask her to help you than if she uncovers it on her own and, right. and catches you up in this. That's going to be much more destructive. Which will happen if you don't deal with it. It will. It absolutely will. But somebody, find somebody to hold you accountable for this and then be honest with that person about, about your struggle. I messed up this week. I need you to pray for me. That kind of thing. Yeah. And James 5.16 tells us confess your sins to each other. And the other half of that is pray for each other. We yeah. need to be praying. And if it, how much better would we be doing with this if we had people praying for us about absolutely. it? Absolutely. And, and, and this isn't, and I want to make sure our tone doesn't come across this way. It's not like, ah, you're a rotten person because this. It, it has to be this honesty yeah. with ourselves as the one confessed to. 
yeah. as other people that, look, this is not just some isolated one-time struggle of some unique person. Mm-hmm. This is something we've all battled to some degree. Sure. Every man, maybe every woman, yeah. has battled this to some degree. So when someone comes like, hey, Jason, I've got this struggle. I'm not like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. It's like, no. I completely get it. Right. And I think a lot of guys are even apt to be like, I'm glad you said something because I'm having a hard time with that too, or have had a right. hard time with that too. And then you now you've got this reciprocity where you can lean on one another yes. and, and, and get each other through that and pray for each other. And, you know, there is a reason why Satan came after Eve in the garden when she was alone. He wants to isolate you. He wants you to be locked up in your shame. He wants you to think you're the only one. He wants you alone and vulnerable. And when we're sticking together on this, when we're praying for each other and lifting each other up to Christ, he loses his power to isolate us that way. And and we have to trust that grace is sufficient. Mm -hmm. When we falter, godly people have struggles. And so today, if you're a Christian and you're thinking, man, I feel beat up, that wasn't the intention. It's good to feel convicted. It's good to feel sad over your sin, remorse over your sin. But we also want to know that God's grace is sufficient in our weakness and our struggle. So let it be a fight, you know, let it be a struggle. At at the very least, we want to conquer and we want to win and we want to overcome, but fight it. Don't give into it. Don't just say, this is just what I'm going to be or what I'm going to do. I mean, fight it, feel guilt over it, confess it. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I think that we're about out of time on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Just last quickly, there probably are practical things always, whether that means Mm -hmm. there are programs and software available that people can use on their computer that would do this accountability check. Yeah. Uh, you know, that might... Uh, yeah, there's, it, I think, Covenant Eyes is one. Right, like, so if I wanted to go to you, anytime I went to any site that was remotely questionable, it would send you a report right. uh, of, of where I've been and what I've done, and I'd have to answer to you. Yeah. Uh, we encourage you to check those things out if this is an issue uh, for you. But any work you do, guarding your purity and your integrity is a worthwhile investment. It is. It's not old-fashioned. It's not outdated. It is worthwhile. You know, we should be protecting our witnesses. We want to be pure. And there's so much that even in our culture, it makes it difficult. So we understand the battle. Yeah. And, and and what we're up against. So. And so if you're listening uh, on a, a platform that has a comment section, you know, we encourage you to kind of put your two cents in. You know, maybe you've got some suggestions that would be helpful to somebody. Maybe you know of a resource or a, a peer support group or just something right. that someone who's struggling could benefit uh, from. And we'd love you to go ahead and post that and put that out there for people we, because we know there are people who are hearing this who need that information. We'd love to hear stories of victory as well. If uh, you have a story where you've had a struggle overcome, I think testimony mm-hmm. is powerful. Uh, is. We'd love to hear ab- uh, about that. You can either get in contact with us, message us uh, on the church website. There's contact us information and those are sent uh, directly to us. We'd love to hear those stories or advice on how we as ministers might be able to help somebody that comes to us with a struggle. And so we really appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we'll we'll come back around to this topic and talk about some other aspects of it at a later date. It's, it's a big topic for one yeah. episode, so we can definitely hit this again. Uh, from another angle. We appreciate everyone who's listening. Uh, We just encourage you to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, It's on our website at lakemountchurchofchrist.org, along with some other sermons and lessons that you can access there. We're also on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, a few others coming. Right. Make sure you rate us, but don't rate us if it's not going to be a good rating. Yeah, good ratings only. 
So let's let's keep it keep the stars on the Thumbs upper ups. level for yeah. sure. And so we hope you'll join us again on the first Monday of September. We'll have our next episode, and we're going to kind of talk about alcohol use as Christians. Um, should we be doing that? How much is enough or too much? It's a pretty divisive topic sometimes, I think. A lot of different opinions on this. And so we're going to kind of dive into that and explore hopefully both sides of that issue and try to come to some common ground there. So we hope you'll tune in next time and we'll see you then.